It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, June 9th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is so happy to be bringing you a conversation about women's pro hockey today. Should be great. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello in Flyers land. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow Locked On Flyers on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we are going to be talking women's pro hockey and more in detail about the PHF with expert Dan Rice from the Ice Garden. Really excited to bring that conversation to you. And then we're going to do our prospect profile on Connor Kurth today. Really excited to talk about him as well. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So hit that subscribe button. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube now. So uh, drop us some likes and subscribe over there as well. All right. And as we said at the top of the show, we are going to be talking about women's pro hockey today on Lockdown Flyers. And we are thrilled to welcome from the Ice Garden, one of the top people covering women's hockey today, Dan Rice. Hey, Dan, welcome. Uh, Hi, thanks for having me on. That was high praise. I appreciate that. You are definitely one of the must follows in terms of keeping up with all of the latest news in women's pro hockey. So let's get started with kind of the lay of the land. We have the Premier Hockey Federation, formerly known as the NWHL. And then we have a separate entity, which is not a formal league, the PWHPA, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association that's Uh, puts on these like kind of weekend tournament, uh, what they call their dream gap tour events. And so what is the current status with both of these organizations right now in terms of how formalized their structure is and what the lay of the land looks like here? Uh, Well, the PHF has their six teams um, and the PWHPA, which is a mouthful, and very confusing because the NWHL changed to the PHF and now there's P's all over the place. Um, <laughs> but they're, um, you know, the, so the PHF has their teams and the, the other girls are expected to announce at some point uh, some, some kind of league. Um, I've kind of always been of the opinion of, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm sure it will happen at some point. Um, it hasn't happened yet. We've heard that it's going to happen for a while. The last thing that I actually did hear was that they were paring down uh, the cities that they were going to be playing in this for this upcoming season that they're expected to have. Um, so that's that's as much as I know about that. Um, obviously, I'm a little bit more plugged in with the PHF. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the players that go back and forth between one side or the other, they don't um, – it's nothing – 
between the players, it's not really malicious. I think it's it's more of a um, a, a fan kind of online made up uh, uh, death battle between the two sides. Like there, there's plenty of of friends on both sides, and um, at the end of the day, I think they all have the same goal in mind. It's just different ways of getting to that end goal. Whereas uh, the PHF obviously has less Olymp- Olympian players, um, which will be actually changing for this upcoming season. But in the past couple of years, they haven't had that kind of presence. And, um, you know, those Olympian players uh, are, are, are able to work out and, and train throughout the day um, and not have to worry about a second job necessarily. Whereas a lot of the players in the PHF, you'll find that they have, they'll have day jobs uh, like I do, um, you know, so I can I, I highly identify with, with what they go through. Um, but, you know, they're all uh, from all walks of life, teachers, scientists. Um, a lot of them are obviously coaches as well. So um, that's that's really the main difference as of now. But um, there's been an influx of money into the PHF uh, for the upcoming season. And the salary cap has increased, which means player salaries have increased. Um, and that's that's good for everybody. That means that um, not everybody, but some players in the PHF this season will be able to train during the day, maybe have uh, small team practices during the day, um, and and uh, their their salaries will start to reflect those that that are um, close to getting on on par with what maybe they should be at. So, so Dan, a couple things. I did speak to someone out of Toronto, really good source about the. PWHPA at the NHL Combine. And we had a good conversation. It seems like they have maybe six cities slated, three um, in Canada, three in the U.S. And But the issue was still, um, as you were even saying, everybody always says, oh, the PHF, they never pay their players enough, but nobody else is paying anybody anything. So I think it's always easy to say that until you put together your own league and decide we could pay them more. On paper, it all looks great, right? So so they failed to do that. You know, I spoke to Kendall Coyne like a month and a half ago, two months ago. She tap danced around it, even though I know a lot of the U.S. players, American players look up to her. And so there are a lot of people following the path of the PWHPA, and I don't blame you for being skeptical because even after that conversation, there's still talk of a merger. And my basic question about that was, well, are they going to put up six teams? Are they going to put up the same amount of money? Because at least the PHF has done a good job since shedding uh, Danny Ryan of getting like some Wall Street people behind it and getting at least some money behind it that's, you know, definite and, and substantial. And so, like, I have the same questions you do. Yeah, and, and that's the big challenge is, and, and I talk, you know, with coaches and players about this all the time is, you yeah, just have to find somebody that believes in, in your product and what you're selling right. um, that has money that can financially back you and, and support you. And um, we're starting to see that with the somewhat individual team ownerships. Um, Buffalo and Minnesota currently are under the same uh, ownership group. Um, and they were able to fly their players after the season down to Tulsa for an exhibition at, uh, where the Tulsa Oilers play. Um, so that, that those kind of things are, you know, what, what money coming into the league is, is, has allowed them to do to kind of extend their reach. Um, you know, the, the girls that, that did go down there and play, they, they mentioned that, you know, they met fans that said they drove five hours to come see them play because 
this was the closest that they would get to see this kind of talent. Um, granted, it was kind of a glorified exhibition, and it's after the season, after the playoffs are over. Um, they weren't full teams, but but the girls that did go, they, they went with a, a good attitude and, and put on a really good show. And, um, you know, it, like you mentioned, with the, the, the teams that are established um, and this league kind of looming in the distance but not a certainty, uh, I found that a lot of players, uh, even in the PHF where they thought there was going to maybe be expansion this upcoming season, that hasn't come to fruition. We're at uh, June 8th, and you would think that that would be done by now with, with the start in – um, training camps in September and, and October and, and starting the season in October and late November, uh, early November, excuse me. Um, and that hasn't happened. And a lot of players, they just kind of want to, um, you know, find out where they're going to be playing now and then enjoy their summer, train for the rest of the off season and be ready. They don't want to kind of be sitting around, waiting around uh, for something that may or may not happen. Talking about expansion, I think that's a, a really good point. We had heard that it would be Montreal and one other city for the PHF, but we have not heard anything definite about Montreal. We've heard rumors about other cities, but uh, at the same time, they have been signing players to contracts on the existing teams at larger sums, like you mentioned, as well as multi-year contracts. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the the... the point of contention that we're all starting to have now is uh, every day that passes teams are signing players and, and if you put in a new team tomorrow they're already at a severe competitive disadvantage now if it was in Montreal that's kind of a unique situation where I think they would be able to attract talent there uh, because they do have a deep pool of players to choose from um, but still there are you know like you said players are signing two-year contracts now too um, so that's that's something that those players are already being taken off the table when we get around to next summer. Um, and that's the first time that we've had that in this this league, and it's kind of an interesting dynamic. But, um, yeah, it, it's disappointing that um, that there wasn't a, a, an official announcement of Montreal and the second team, which they hinted at. Um, I reported about a month ago that the second team was going to be in Providence, and I had heard that from – uh, three pretty well-respected sources that I trust with the information. Um, and something fell apart there because about a week or two ago, I got an email from the league that said, uh, yeah, now your report was, was uh, inaccurate or, or is inaccurate. Um, and that, you know, th this isn't happening. It's not going to be in Providence. Um, I had also heard that mm -hmm. the Connecticut ownership was going to kind of be involved in that uh whether it was as a part-time investor or a part owner, I don't know. Uh, but there was some kind of involvement and something must have broke down. And, um, and now we have uh, just six teams. Um, and I have a pretty good feeling that that's the way that it'll end up when the season starts. We'll, we'll only have six teams. I want to take a moment to talk to you about Athletic Greens. I started using Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system, and hated talk, taking pills and vitamins. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery focus and focus. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free or gluten-free. Athletic Greens contains less than one gram of sugar 
No GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial, anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit, visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We at Locked On have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners just like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about all of your favorite Locked On shows. So go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and everyone that competes, everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 hundred dollar Ticketmaster gift cards. Once again, go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey and thanks for all of your help. And now here's more with Dan Rice. Dan, um I get that people will drive miles for some of the big names in um Olympic hockey, but a lot of those names are getting older. And the US does have some young players. They showed it um this this past year, but I'm wondering, is there enough of a pipeline of players that can't be on the national team or the U.S. misses that do play college hockey, that do get drafted out? Like, will the PHF ever luck out and get a couple of superstars, two or three superstars that way? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there's, there's always going to be hidden talents, and um, maybe what they, the PHF players lack in resume or um, – recognizability uh, like a Hillary Knight where they see her face on TV and um, she's kind of the face of USA hockey, right? You brought up Kendall Coyne. Like everybody kind of knows those players um, in, in the PHF kind of world. Um, they have their stars and, and people that know them for what they can do on and off the ice. Um, and they do have some, some, some maybe some players that didn't get a fair shake with it, whether it was with team USA or, or team Canada. Um, I'll say I, Michaela Grant Mentis. As, as soon as Russ was started that question, that was the first name that came to my mind, as well as Amanda Levier, who's mm -hmm. a phenomenal goalie, uh, you know, Canadian bay, a Canadian born goalie, and she's never gotten a sniff at, at playing for Team Canada. I don't know if that's politics. I don't know if um, growing up she didn't play the right games or she wasn't connected with the right people or her, or how any of that works. Um, and and she's. You know, as humble as they are, she would say, well, you know, I'm not as good as those other goalies. Um, but but her record and her resume speak for itself. Three national titles, two Isabel Cups, uh, a couple of goaltender of the year uh, uh, awards, most wins in PHF history. So the, the list goes on and on with her. But herself and Grant Mentis, they've, they've never really gotten a fair shake at that international level um, when it comes to world championships and Olympics. Um, and hopefully that changes in the future. Maybe, you know, players can get discovered that are playing in the PHF. Uh, we saw that a couple of years ago uh, when some of the Olympian players had come back to this league, like a Kendall Coyne, uh, Shannon Sabados. Um, and when those players left, they also took Haley Skimura and Savannah Harmon, who were on the Buffalo Buttes that year. And um, I don't think they had ever played at world championship level uh, for Team USA, but 
they have ever since. And, um, you know, kudos to them. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, I know that they came up a little short this year, but hopefully they go back in, in a couple of years and they, they come home with, with a gold medal again. Like you said, there have been at least a few players that maybe have slightly bigger names from the national team programs or players that had been playing over in Europe uh, for a while who've come back to play in North America for the PHF next year, which I think is a good sign for the league uh, overall. But uh, Kendall Cornine is really good to see coming. and But you also have these longtime players like Madison Packer, who's been the captain of the Riveters for a long time and is a pretty well-established name in the league overall. And so there is like a huge, I, I think, well, maybe huge is overstating it right now, but there is certainly an influx of more well-known talent in in the league. Do you think that trend will continue as the summer goes on? I, I certainly do. Um, a, a name that the Riveters uh, that you mentioned that they, they signed was uh, Amanda Pelkey. Um, she mm-hmm. was on the, the 2018 Olympic uh, gold medal winners, um, and she had been a part of the PWHBA. She was a part of that group, and and she's come over here uh, last year. We had um, with, with the with Boston, who won the cup, uh, Katie Burt and and Callie Flanagan, mm-hmm. uh, also Team USA uh, national team members. Um, so I do believe Sydney that- Moran. Sydney Morin is, is now signed with Minnesota for the next two years. Um, the coach of the Riveters, Ven Lahovi, is is a Finnish Olympian, two-time bronze medal winner. Um, so there are going to be other players that are coming. I, I was at Riveters camp over the weekend, uh, spoke with Hovi uh, and Coach Ivo Mocek, and um, I, I definitely got the impression as I reported this morning that uh, they have – a few more signings to announce and a lot of Olympians coming, not only from American, uh, the American side, but also from European teams. So uh, I didn't find out the names. I wish I could have spilled the beans. <laughs> but um, I, I do know that they, they do have a couple more Olympians coming and um, that, that's great. You know, that's, that's going to create a little bit of a, a little bit more of a buzz. Um, and especially for the Riveters, uh, a team that's kind of, um, if we're being honest, they've been, not really good the last couple of years. Um, in Lake Placid, they only got three games, and then COVID kind of shut them down. They were the first ones out. Um, and it's been a little bit of a rough ride. So, um, you know, it's going to look like a really different team, maybe two or three, four players from, from last year's team and, and a whole bunch of Olympians apparently. So we'll, we'll see what they look like uh, come uh, the fall. Yeah, the Riveters are obviously the closest team for Flyers fans to go see in person. And I would suggest they do that. So it's really good to see they're taking steps like that to improve. Yeah, I, I may be more wondering aloud here, Dan, but, um, you know, as far as broadcast deals, we see all kinds of leagues are getting streaming deals. And, and, it, and it does make me wonder, like, you know, you see like Amazon or Apple, maybe they're showing just a smith smattering of games for the NFL and MLB and stuff. And you kind of wonder, you know, which one of those is going to catch on to this league and say, all right, because their online numbers have been good. Like when they've had some streaming, they've been able to pull some numbers and it just, it, it kind of makes me wonder why that hasn't happened yet. Or maybe it is happening. You could tell me. This, this past season was the, the first of, I believe a multi-year deal, uh, but don't quote me on that, uh, that they were with ESPN. Uh, so all their games were on ESPN Plus, which you have to subscribe to get it. It's right. a little bit different than the past, where it was they were on Twitch or they were on Twitter. 
they were on something called Cheddar, I think. They were on YouTube back, way back in the first season. So they've kind of like up, upgraded every kind of year as they've gone along. And, and this past season, they were on ESPN Plus, which a lot of hockey fans had subscribed to anyway with the, the new NHL deal, uh, or the new partnership with the NHL. Um, I was not one of them. I had to subscribe. Uh, but <laughs> that's part of my my job, you know. A little job expense is is the whatever it was uh, per month to, to sign up for that. And uh, the streams were great. They were they were uh, a lot better than they used to be. Um, they had a, a professional feel to them. Um, the one thing that I didn't like was they had, and I don't know if this is still was COVID related or not, but. Uh, all the broadcasters were not on site. They were in Florida mm. uh, watching on a big screen. And, and it, it became pretty apparent, especially if you're following the games closely enough um, early on in games, that it, it, it was pretty apparent that they weren't at the rink. Um, and, and you lose a little bit with that in the broadcast, I think. You, you don't, um, you know, the, the broadcasters aren't looking down at the bench in front of them. They can't tell you when the player is missing off the bench. Right. Uh, camera actually shows that, or they have somebody feeding them that inside information at the rink. Like but they, at least they didn't have Barry Melrose doing these games, right? Thank goodness, no. Uh, no. But, you know, they do, I, however, some of the games had our colleague over at Locked On Kraken, Erica Ayala. No, that's good. A that's tremendous a good women's hockey broadcaster. So we're very proud of her at Locked On. Yes, uh, all, all, but all love for Erica. Erica does it all. Um, and it was great to hear her voice. And, and I actually got to, to run into her in person a couple of times this season. Um, not at a PHF game, but at an NHL game. So that was kind of unique and different. Uh, but, yeah, they did a good job with, with the ESPN Plus broadcast. They brought in some professional broadcasters as well. Um, and the final game was on ESPN, too. And that meant for the first time that, like, I didn't have to, you know, put the uh, hook something up to go watch the game, right? I could just turn the TV on and, and I have cable TV and I could watch the game. And if I wanted to... Uh, I could have gone out to a bar and watched a game, which isn't something that necessarily you can always do. I know in Buffalo, um, even when the games were on Twitter, uh, there were a couple of local bars that would actually air the games, uh, especially in the playoff time, like that's good. kind of things. And and that's kind of what they need, right? That's You need yeah. people to kind of go a little above and beyond. But it does make it easier when the game is on ESPN2 and you sit down uh, at seven, eight o'clock to, to have a drink and something to eat at the bar and say, Hey, can you put ESPN? I'll on? tell you what they need. And, and New York is a good place for this. Cause they seemingly have a bar for everything. They do need some women's hockey bars. Like they, the bar, you know, the owner basically says, yeah, I'm, I'm mainly going to show this. You can see other stuff here, but you're always going to be able to see these games here. doesn't seem like they have enough of that yet. Well, I bet we could get the Canuck over in Chelsea to do it for us. Probably, yeah, that, that would be a great idea. I know there was actually uh, – they, they did the playoffs this year, for those that don't know, down in Tampa, Florida, where they just kind of sent everybody down and did a, a single elimination. Uh, so the Riveters go down there, and there was actually a bar called Riveters Bar, um, mm. and it had their whole nice. – it wasn't based off of the team. It was just based off of that kind of concept, and Rosie the Riveter, and, and yeah. there was all these kind of steel planes and, and – uh, uh, all the screws and the logo and everything that was all over the bar. So they had a blast with it. Uh, obviously it didn't help them in the playoffs because the next night they lost four to one, but right. uh, that's neither here nor there. But to your point, you know, that, that those are the kind of things that they need. Um, it would be great to, to go out to Connecticut and, and watch a Connecticut whale game at, at a local bar. Um, yeah. 
I'm sure in Boston there's a ton of. Bars. You can't do it in Hartford though because everybody leaves the city, so you have to do it somewhere in the suburbs. Exactly. So I know in Boston is a big hockey town. You know the Bruins are always on. Why can't we get the Pride games on TV? And, and right. Um, it, it doesn't have to be at the biggest bars in Boston, but you know, kind of a, a little niche place where people can go and um, and that's a big part of it too. Is is going to games and um, it's become a little bit of a community where people. You know, find people that are into like-minded things that they are, and and uh, maybe you can expand that to not from not only the rink but also to the, the public as a, as a bar, or restaurant, establishment. Dan, uh, to wrap things up, could you just speak to the level of play that you're going to see in the PHF? Because I think people underestimate what it is. I, I find it to be very dynamic, very fast, very skilled hockey. So, what is your take on? You know, somebody is going to watch a women's pro hockey game for the first time. What should they expect? Um, the, the best thing I could do is, is kind of give you my little story in, in short, uh, and I'll make it as brief as possible. Um, about 10 years ago, uh, I wasn't covering women's hockey. Uh, the PHF, formerly NWHL, didn't exist, right? I knew who the Olympic players were, but I wasn't a, a big follower. Um, and I thought if you would have told me that I would be doing this now, I probably would have, you know, found it humorous or – or, uh, or or made some kind of snide comment. Um, but then I, it was, you know, the NWHL started, and, and uh, for whatever reason, my interest was piqued, and I went down to go check out a game. And my first reaction was like, wow, like, these women can play. Like, this isn't, this isn't a joke. Like, this is, this is real deal. Um, and then I didn't realize, you know, I guess I kind of did realize that I was kind of watching players like Hillary Knight and Emily Falzer and Brianna Decker and, um, uh, Amanda Kessel and so on and so on and, and uh, kind of realized like the, the skill level of these players and everybody that I've brought into a game, whether it's uh, close friends, uh, people that I work with, um, I say just just come to a game and give it a chance. If you like hockey, there's no reason why you won't like their game, their you know brand of hockey, if, if you will. Um, and everybody always comes away like, wow, I didn't know they were that fast, that good. Can shoot that great, can skate that fast. I didn't know the goaltenders were that, you know, Gumby-like, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, uh, I'm proud to say that I've kind of hooked a few people and, and um, kind of part of my mission as, as, uh, as a writer is to hook as many people as I can. Um, it was a little disappointing last year to see some of the, the crowd numbers. Um, I'll hopefully attribute that to kind of coming out, everybody coming out of COVID and being a little unsure. Um, but I'd also like to see the teams do a little bit more to promote themselves and put themselves out there to attract audiences because a lot of people don't know that they exist. Um, mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's that's like the biggest battle. Like I, I can walk around. Uh, I live here in, in Old Bridge, New Jersey, and I go to my local stop and shop and uh, I'll put on a Connecticut whale shirt or, or a Minnesota whitecap shirt. Um, and every now and then somebody will stop me and say, oh, what's that? Uh, and it's a conversation, you know, it's a talking point. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, hopefully you make a new fan sometimes, maybe sometimes no, but, um, you know, just trying to get as many people, uh, interested, uh, and, and aware of what they're doing. Well, Dan, you mentioned your writing. That's a great segue. Where can people find you and your coverage of women's pro hockey? Uh, you can find me at the ice garden. Uh, I try and do during the season, I did a, a, a weekly column. Um, and during the off season, it's kind of been uh, maybe once a month. 
Uh, but I also do features and, and stuff like that. Um, and you can find me on uh, Twitter.com at uh, DR Ice Hockey. I have to think about it because I changed it within the last year. So I found you pretty quick. I followed you. So <laughs> there you go. You got another one. Thank you both for having me on. I really appreciate you sending out a vine here where we can kind of uh, uh, talk about this and, and hopefully create uh, some new fans. Absolutely. Would love to see that as well. Once again, thank you so much, Dan Rice, for joining us. We'll be talking about draft eligible prospect Connor Kurth coming up next. But first, don't you love a chewy, chocolatey brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? That is so good. You can have all of that deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein with caramel brownie bars from Built Bar. They're available at Built.com right now, and you got to act fast because they're a fan favorite and they could sell out. Forget about dessert. These are your new treat, plus the macros are unreal. 130 calories, like I said, 17 grams of protein, but only 4 grams of sugar. I would replace a regular brownie with Built's Caramel Brownie Bar in a heartbeat. The best part, though, is that they're covered in 100% real chocolate. With Built, you don't have to sacrifice being tasty for being healthy. You can have both. And all of Built's bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There are a million reasons why you should try Built Bars, but for now, let's just say that caramel brownie is going to be the thing that hooks you in. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, we are back and we are going to be talking about yet another prospect who is draft eligible this year. And this is one who is looking to be a depth round pick, and Mm -hmm. that's Connor Kurth. He is a forward who is an overager who didn't get drafted last year. So this is kind of his second go around. Right now, he is on the Dubuque Fighting Saints of the USHL. And if that team sounds familiar, it should, because we talked about his teammate, goalie Paxton Geisel, on May 19th. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. And I think the biggest thing, Russ, for me when I was looking into this kid is his huge jump in stats this year versus mm-hmm. last year. So if you look at his numbers in 2020-21 season, in 52 games, he had 15 goals, 26 assists for 41 points, and he was a negative eight that season. This year, 62 games played, so only 10 more games, but he had 25 goals and 46 assists for 81 points. So pretty much doubled his scoring between seasons and he turned it around and was a plus 37 this season. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen him at the combine. I don't believe he was invited. So he's one of these kids who, um, when I interviewed him, talked about getting passed over in the draft and realized that some of this had to do with conditioning. You know, he was a guy that was getting by on like his kind of like bowling ball kind of um, build where he could just, kind of get to the net and get past defenders and get points before the USHL. But then he hits the USHL and it's not working as good as, you know, he'd like it to Learned how to get in better shape. I spoke to him at the beginning of the season. He was way more confident. He uh, felt better. 
He knew he was faster, even though he's not the fastest guy, but he's one of those guys that when he gets going, he gets going pretty good. He um, He's fearless going down the ice. If you're in a one-on-one situation with him, watch out because he'll go right through you. He doesn't care. Uh, if it's against the wall, he'll push you off the wall. Like, he's very aggressive. He's aggressive to get to the net. He's got a terrific shot. His hockey IQ is good. But he's one of these guys that you have to talk to in an interview, and I hope teams have been doing that because he's kind of like Phil Kessel in that way. You, Phil Kessel was always kind of like a little bit of an oddball when you spoke to him, but it was uh-huh. clear his number one focus was always hockey, and it's hockey everything, and hockey means there. And this guy gives me the same vibe. And, you know, he's going to Minnesota, which is a big program. Uh, there's some big names going there, like Snuggerud and Cooley and Sam Renzel. So there's there's big names there, much bigger than his. But this could be a guy that, you know, you get third, fourth, fifth, probably fourth or fifth round. And, you know, you might get a goal score. Now you're going to he's going to be a bottom six guy and most likely a fourth line guy. But he already has that mentality. So you don't really care. Like, that's OK. He knows it that, you know, the team that gets him knows it and everybody's good. But this kid has put in the hard work to get to this point now to hopefully not get passed over in the draft again. What would you say his complete game is like with an offensive jump like that? You wonder what is his play look like on the defensive side of things? Actually, his, his play on the defensive side is pretty good. He um, because his skating's better. He does get back and and cover guys. He because he is a bit physical. Will will push him off the puck when he can. Uh, he's not a guy that stays deep or a guy that like crashes the net and can't get back. He he's pretty good defensively. He um he's got good defensive habits. I don't think Minnesota is going to be unhappy with him because Minnesota, you know, just to go there, you have to have a little bit on the on the ball defensively. But they've opened things up more over the years offensively. So he's kind of like a good fit in that way. Yeah, and we all know that Chuck Fletcher loves his Minnesota boys. Oh, yeah. So I think that a, a kid like this, especially understanding that he is going to NCAA hockey and he can marinate there for a couple of years that, yep. you know, if you see him as a project, that NCAA hockey is perfect for that. And being at a top program will only help his game. And so given all of that, it seems like some one that might be attractive to Chuck Fletcher. Yeah. I think if you'd have drafted him last year, um, he was definitely more of a project, but you still would have been really happy with his first year results right after you drafted him. So now mm-hmm. you're drafting him with kind of getting the bugs out behind you. And there's still things he's going to have to get better at. Don't get me wrong, but just the idea that now you're already getting, if you draft this kid, you're getting version 2.0, which is, clearly a lot better you you read the numbers they're impressive yeah they they absolutely are and I, I do also think that with a kid like this who gets overlooked in his first eligible draft year I think people are very hesitant to rank him right because they think inherently there's something wrong there even though there was a vast Im- improvement main and so when you look at you know all your top sort of prospect ranker lists out there He's only on a, a few of them, and most and most of them he's late third round, early fourth round here. So I wonder if he is somebody that could maybe be underrated that you could kind of steal as a lower round gem. No, I think you can. Uh, I think 
scouts know him better than uh, some of the prospect guys. I, you know, I didn't hesitate in putting him on my list. I'd watched him for two years. I think if you watch enough of that league and not try and worry about who you feel should be on it or not, you should just look at the player for what he's doing and say, all right, yeah, this guy has worked his way on there. And I think that's really what it should be about. That's how he got on my list. Uh, I noticed him in the fall classic, you know, the second time he looked like a completely different player from the first time I saw him. So, you know, it's a good step for him. I, I don't know how many teams are interested, but I imagine there'll be a few and I'm sure he's on a few boards and this is the kind of guy you can get that will work hard, but is just a hockey player. Well, if you want to read more about Connor, our Flyers fun thing is Russ's profile of Connor Kurth on his website. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. So uh, a lot of good prospects out there. Russ has written about a lot of them, and we are very blessed to have him on the show and to give you in, in Flyers land all the scoop on all these prospects leading up to the draft. That will do it for today's show. We'll bring you more Flyers coverage tomorrow if there's any upcoming news on the coaching search or more draft content. We'll get that to you tomorrow as well. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. You can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I am on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. Um, Russ at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked on NHL. Locked on NHL covers the playoffs like no other. You can hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.